Good evening and welcome to The Adventures in Lollygagging. I am Aaron, I am your Doom Master tonight, and we'll be returning to Modiphius's 2D20 Conan, an age undreamed of, and our Hyborian Tales. Thank you everybody for joining us. I'm going to give us a quick recap of what happened on our last session, then we're going to let the players introduce themselves, and then we're going to dive into the action. So, if you recall, at the beginning of our last session, our... Sorcerer priest of Set Sobek uh, was surrounded by a group of enemy bandits led by a half ogre, and he chose to surrender himself to them, which was probably the wise thing to do, and was let off in chains. Zamir, in the shadows, stealthily approached when the rest of the bandits were away, killed. The ogre guard that was watching Sobek and freed him. Sobek at that point, free, ungagged, turned himself into a mighty black heron and took to the sky as Zamir made his way back into the crevices of the mountains surrounding the temple complex and began to make his way through the caverns, catching up with the rest of his group, Roya, Drusus, and Aurelia. They spent a couple of days making their way through these mountain passages and caverns as the villagers who went before them had uh, dropped deadlifts and had put out spikes and traps to try to prevent anyone from coming in or out of the area using these tunnels. But eventually they made their way out. They were on the northern side of the mountains, and in the distance they saw storm clouds. But as they got a little closer, they realized that they were in fact an enormous murder of crows and ravens and other carvids, hundreds of them circling over a seated man. Sobek saw what was going on, turned back into a heron, flew back, found his friends, rejoined them as they approached the seated figure of the Blackheart, who you remember from the Swamp of the Dead, who was the paramour of the Morrigan. He looked up at them. Uh, unfolded himself from the ground and initially asked for the two blades back that were to be taken to the monastery, saying that the group no longer would be able to find the monastery after their most recent actions. And as a reminder from two episodes ago, that was when Sobek freed uh, the greatest demonic evil uh, from its prison in Katai, an ancient defreet who was hell-bent on destroying every single living thing within the country, salting the earth and ensuring that nothing could ever grow within the boundary of Katai again. Um, so, uh, Sir Drusus handed the blades back over. Um, at that point, um, the Blackheart... Uh, through the storm, crows of the Morrigan showed the party what had happened, the repercussions of the actions that were taken. Not necessarily actions taken out of malice, perhaps actions taken out of greed, out of lack of forethought, um, out of happenstance or chance. Uh, no one, uh, obviously the Morgan did not believe that it was done uh, to destroy the entire country of Katai, uh, but it was felt that everyone should, should understand what had happened. And so they saw all these horrible images, and then uh, the Blackhearts told them that the Morgan had an offer to make, and if they were willing to separate themselves, physically sever their connections 
to Kitai, the memory of them would fade. It would be known that foreigners had taken these actions, but they, their faces, their names would be lost to the memory of Kitai. And in that way, the Morgan would protect them and they would be able to leave the country of Kitai as long as they left it immediately. Uh, Aurelia, feeling some uh, heartbreak over the some of the scenes she had seen, uh, immediately laid the bow down, uh, the Liu family heirloom that was given to her, and it disappeared into the shadows. Everyone expectantly looked at Sir Drusus because he also had to give up the marriage contract to the merchant's daughter, who had herself, after the actions of the Afri being left, shaved her head, crushed glass, and put it in her slippers, and walked to a convent to spend the rest of her life in penance and in silence. But Sir Drusus did not want to sever his name from the actions of Kitai, and he kept the marriage contract. And the Blackheart nodded acceptance and told them that the crows would follow them um, throughout their days, marking their passage. Um, and then he disappeared into the shadows, letting them know that a small army of bounty killers led by uh, two imperial agents, one, the ghost eater, a, uh, an exorcist, the, imper the emperor's exorcist, and his army of ghosts, 50 trained soldiers, and an individual named the dragon. Well, the party, uh, befret of, of, of mounts or anything else, immediately began their forced march north towards the mountains uh, of Hyrcania. And they did not stop day after day, night after night, exhaustion pulling them down, but they kept going. As their members began to stumble, they were being picked back up. On the horizon, they would see the dust clouds forming. But each day, the, their pursuers would stop and rest their mounts and rest their men. But these brave adventurers refused to stop until they got to the foothills of the mountains of Hyrcania and found a shallow cave uh, slightly up the slope where they collapsed, finally in absolute exhaustion, resting. When they awoke, the bounty killer's army had come and, and camped at the base of the mountains. They saw that the, the dragon, she came forward. She told the ghost eater to take the rest of the forces off to join with the army of Kitai and the true heroes of Kitai in their attempts to bind the Ifrit again before it destroyed more villages, having already laid waste to several. Um, and so they peeled off and the dragon began to prepare herself to chase down uh, and deal with uh, these foreign devils. The party began to look for a way up into the mountains, goat trails that uh, that Ben could possibly make, and a cave system was found up and behind the current cave they're in. It looked to be um, the channel of an old glacial river cut through the mountain's heart itself, and they began to make their way through. Sobek, using his masteries of the weather, called up a great and thick mist to roll down the mountains and up the plains to obscure themselves. And as he did so, an enormous head came forth up out of the mists, iridescent purple scales, tendrils tens of feet long hanging from the jaws of a head the size of a great keep, 
a dragon that must be 500 feet in length, searching for the one, the sorcerer who called up this fog. But Sobek was in luck, and the dragon did not see him, and he himself slid into this cavern system, catching up with his party, tired but no longer exhausted as they make their way into the heart of the mountain. And at that point, Ashley, tell us a little bit about Aurelia. Oh, one other quick thing. I did, since we've not caroused for a very long time, and it did not seem like it was going to be in the very near future, I did give everyone 300 experience points to spend between last session and this session um, to account for their growth in skills um, over their adventures in Katai. Um, so if the players want to, they can also share what they spent their experience points on. Sorry for interrupting. Back to Ash. So I spent mine on uh, risks, which is a observational one uh, or survival, I should say, uh, where I can choose an environment, which I did. I choose uh, chose mountains. Uh, and anytime you travel within this particular kind of environment, you may attempt uh, an average survival test. Uh, on a success, I'm able to avoid all implicit dangers, potentially avoiding dangerous encounters. Um, and then I also picked up living off the land. Nice. So when attempting a survival test for food, water, shelter, etc., I can spend momentum and provide that with my um, party members as well for um, two creatures per point of momentum. Excellent. And and while traveling, Aurelia, ever since what has happened at the village that we were supposed to assist, she's Aurelia has always been a quiet person, but Aurelia has been an angry, quiet person at this point in time. Um, she's really only been interacting with Roya and Zamir. She's still pissed at Sobek. Because how could he do this to a village like her family's village? That's all she keeps thinking of is they were supposed to save this village. And then he, on a flight of fancy, just decided to doom this village. And um, so she's not sure if after we if we survive this, if she will continue uh, partying or if it would be better off for everyone involved for her to atone by herself. Thank you. Um, Steven. Yes, I am Sobek Keeper. I command forces that would shatter the minds of lesser beings, and my loyalty lies with the true Serpent God. I will stop at nothing to further his and my agenda. And while we have been traveling, I have been communing with my patrons, draining every last drop of power and knowledge from them that I can to make myself more powerful so that I can fight and defeat a dragon. Excellent. Jeff. So, um, so, uh, Sobek was taken, uh, and Zamir realized that it is not just stealth that was, uh, necessary for the recovery of his lord. Uh, as we all know, Sobek is very much uh, Zamir's lord. It also is patience, observation. So Zamir, um, in the time in which he was trying to seek out Sobek, and also 
in the time in which we've been traveling, um, which is a very kind way of putting running with like a, like a dog with a, uh, with tail between legs. Uh, he has been keeping a very sharp eye on things, on those that have been following him. Aureli has done a fabulous job, of course, of navigating us through uh, the wilderness, Drusus, as well. But Samir is more keen on the things that we do not necessarily see. Also, uh, some uh, some issues, too, with, uh, uh, with combat, trying to seek out uh, weaknesses of folks. So, Samir... Um, Zemir has taken several talents uh, that he has been uh, dabbling with for quite some time uh, to build his um, his perception, so that when he is hiding in the shadows, it is not just uh, not being seen; it is also his ability to see others as well. Uh, so basically, Zemir took a couple observation talents, is what he did. Things that'll allow him to um, reroll some of his observation tests, see some extra things, get some extra information based upon certain situations. It seemed like a reasonable thing for Samir to dig into. Fantastic. All right. Uh, Long, tell us about Sir Drusus Jildan. Yeah, so in his battles against Giant Snake and Midnight Death of Midnight Shining, he's taken pretty nasty wounds. Those have healed up. He's got some scars. And that's boosted his resistance. So now uh, wounds that would fell lesser mortals, I've got just a scratch. So I have higher, you need higher damage to inflict wounds. Mm-hmm. So you need a seven instead of a five. Sweet. That may come in handy. I'm not saying necessarily tonight, but maybe. <laughs> Hope it does. <laughs> All right. And Melissa, tell us about Roya. So Roya Nadi is our shaman. Uh, she was initially taken aback by conversations not too long ago uh, that Ben might be for eating, but that sort of caused her to kind of reflect on the fact that maybe she's gotten a bit soft um, in kind of some of the time that she spent in various sort of cities and not kind of really getting back to her roots of survival. So she sort of thought about like, well, what if we do get to a point in which you know, we have to use Ben for uh, energy for the rest of us and kind of coming to terms with that. Um, and she basically increased her survival. Nice. All right. So we've got a group of hardened travelers. Our momentum is back to zero. Fortune has been reset. The doom is back down to 14. And we find ourselves about six hours into your trek through this tunnel system that was once you think an ancient glacial river cutting through the heart of the mountains uh is there anything you want to do it's pitch black in here other you know beyond the scope of your torch lights and lamps it is pitch black in here There's a cool, constant wind blowing into your face, so you're fairly certain that this does eventually lead out somewhere. Um, You're not exhausted to the point where you need to to stop and rest yet, but is there anything that you want to do? All right. So you're continuing on. The cavern seems to get a little cooler 
and a little damper. And you start to hear scrabbling noises. And then everything stops. And for a moment, it's complete silence. And then all of you hear the echoing, cawing noises of crows. You don't know where from. It's almost as if it's just in your mind, as if something is still trying to pinpoint your location. And at that exact moment, Sobek, you feel an overwhelming wave of magical energy crash against you. You have never felt magic on this scale. Once when you were younger, you were in a ritual with 20 other sorcerer priests of Set. You were just one of the ritualists. And the high priest was leading you all in a great summoning. And even the 20 of you, your magic is but a drop compared to what you feel rushing through you at this moment. And then the mountain... No, go ahead. This is quite concerning, this creature following us. It has a power on a scale I've never felt before. It... It will be most difficult to defeat. And thoughts about how we might do that? No. Sharpen your swords. It's the best we can do. Aurelia, rapid fire with the bow and arrows. Maybe. Surely, Sobek, you have some sort of magic that might obscure us, that might extract us from this place, or make this creature blind to our whereabouts. One such as you, my lord, are so powerful. I am shocked that you would not be able to combat this creature. Well, I'm fairly certain I could survive the encounter, but as for the rest of you... Aurelia just scoffs and keeps fucking moving forward. (laughs) I love it. Zamir, you hear a whisper in the back of your mind in a familiar woman's voice. Oh, my dear heart. Keep your head down. You've angered a god in, in the flesh of a creature upon this world. You and must find a way from that country. My dear, do you have any recommendations on how... I am quite confident I could extract myself, but I do not fear I... I'm as confident of extracting my allies. Anything you know of this creature might help us. There is nothing you can do against this beast. You must simply move forward. For a time, I cannot see the skine of your life. But then you appear again in most of my visions. Move forward. Never look back. And then her voice is disrupted as the mountain itself groans and then begins to shake. 
dust starts falling in the air. The caverns behind you start to crumple, almost as if a massive fist is just squeezing it. Rocks begin to fall from the ceiling and the floor begins to shake. What do you do? Is there a way out, Aurelia? We'll be trapped in a rubble. Yeah, we're we're running, and Aurelia is looking for a way to just keep going. Okay, so you're running forward. Um, mm-hmm. The dust is so thick that you can almost can't see. Small rocks are striking you amongst the sho- on the shoulders and arms. You hear greater rumblings above you. Cracks are starting to open up in the floor beneath you. I need everyone. One at a time, we're going to go around the horn um, and make an athletics or acrobatics check. And we're going to start with Aurelia. Uh, okay. I would prefer to do acrobatics. Sure. Um, Why not make things fun and give you a doom to start? I love this plan. <laughs> Great. Uh, I love it. Uh, two successes, one momentum. Okay, so no, don't, well, keep the momentum. You're going to need it here in a second. Um, okay, so the rocks are falling around you, but you're actually able to agilely enough, you're able to, to duck your shoulders and roll around them. And so even the larger ones are missing you as you move, you know, with, with some surety of, of foot and direction through the tunnel. Sobek. Would it be possible for me to cast a spell? You can. However, uh, you definitely can cast a spell, but if you're, if you're, if you're focused on the spells, you're not focused on avoiding the rocks. So, uh, the spell will go off as long as you as long as you success, successfully cast it, but something else may happen as well. Yes, I think it's my only choice. Otherwise, I'm going to fail the ske- the check anyways. Um, I'm going to cast Form of a Beast, and I will attempt to turn into uh, something more agile. Let's say, okay. let's go with the heron again. Uh, I'll try to fly through here. Okay. Uh, so make your cast. The difficulty is one greater than it normally would be because of the circumstances in your environment. So I think it would be a D3 for this. Yes. Um, and I will give you a doom for an extra okay. die. All right, all right. Okay, so you begin to shift. Your body begins to change. And uh, I will spend that doom on my roll as the rocks fall down on you as you begin to change. And that is two successes, which is enough. You take seven points of damage. So you take a wound um, and two points of damage to the left leg as these rocks crush down and break the left leg of this heron as you hop into the air. So is that seven points of vigor and the wound or two points of vigor in the wound? 
no, seven points of vigor. Uh, and after five points of vigor, you take a wound. So you take one wound and seven points of vigor. Copy that. How much vigor do you got left? One. All right. You're good. You're fine. You've only got one wound. So you're, you're all good. But you're a heron now flying down this, this corridor. Okay. Um, Zamir. Athletics, acrobatics, as you oh. run down this corridor in the dark, the dust, the the boulders crushing know. at you. I think we all know Zamir is picking acrobatics. Um, I think we do too. Yes, very much so. I would give you a uh, a doom so I can get an extra die. Uh, and uh, do I set the difficulty at the particular level? Just difficulty one. Okay. Yeah, let go. Uh, goodness, two successes. Two successes. Okay, so what, what this is, is basically your successes count as armor against damage if you get hit by the rocks. So we will, uh, we'll see how these rocks do. Um, since I did it to Stephen, I'll do it to you and spend that doom right back on a third mm -hmm, dice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And fail. So uh, nothing happens to you. You're able, your agility allows you to parkour off the walls, literally dancing between raindrops or dust motes as, as nothing strikes down at Zamir. But the floor is still quaking and the dust is choking your vision. It's hard to breathe. It's hard to see. You swear to God you feel feathers smacking you in the face as we move on to Sir Drusus Jordan. Acrobatics or athletics? Do acrobatics as well. All right. Just a flat roll. No do. I saw a two and an eight. It just doesn't seem to be up. coming up. No. no, but it was a two and an eight. Yeah. Did you have, do you have focus in acrobatics? I have a one focus. Okay. So you got two successes. All right. And let's see if these rock, this rock falls do anything to you. I will not purchase any extra dice since you didn't. Seems to be fair. One success. Okay, so you've got uh, you've got two points of armor against this. Let's see how much damage you take. Okay, so five physical damage. Do you have do you have any armor on your left leg? You have three armor soaked there. Okay, so you soak a total of five. So, you're able, so this huge rock smacks into your left leg, but your armor deflects most of it, and you're able to kind of shift your weight so that the rest of this rock just kind of slides off of you instead of doing any damage. Kind of knocks you into the wall a little bit, but you're able to right yourself and keep running. Bringing us to Roya and Ben. So Roya's kind of looking at everyone else sort of doing some things with style and she's just like, nope, nope, nope. And so she's just huffing it just straight athletics. All right, I'll give you right. a doom. Okay. Uh, that's two successes. Two successes. Excellent. Let's see as the rocks fall on you. Ceiling is collapsing at this point. Um, seems to be collapsing all around you. You don't even see the way out yet. Maybe it's just because the dust is too thick. Um, I failed. Okay, so uh, your speed, you put on a burst of speed and you get to a relatively clear area where the stones aren't falling. You realize that there is a giant heron flying amongst you. Ben, 
is is grumbling and sort of half prancing and and clearly terrified um as everyone who is not flying you feel the floor just crumble and open up and you slide down sobek give me an observation check I am excellent at least. Um, I'll give you another doom. All right. Two successes. Two successes. You are able through the dust, through the falling rocks, you see the floor open and you see them sort of slip down. It looks like into a lower chamber and you hear a splash. What do you do, Sobek, the great black heron, as the rocks continue to fall around you with no exit in sight, and the rest of your party seeming to have slipped into a lower chamber? Heron or waterfowl, I think I would follow after. Okay, so you dive down into the water. All of you are immediately swept into this lower tunnel. You figure this must be where the glacial river was rechanneled to. Quickly, the entire entirety of this cavern is filled with roiling water. You're smacked against the ceiling, against the floor. Uh, the water is just freezing cold, just closing off your senses. Your ears are burning. Your eyes are burning. You had maybe a second to grasp one lungful of air as you go down. The absolute blackness, now that all of your lights have been doused, is terrifying. You tumble. You tumble. And you begin to drown. Doom ticks up by one, and I need everybody to make an athletics or swim check at a difficulty three. Oh, good gracious. What was the difficulty of all of our um, athletics? Because we might have some momentum, but might not have some momentum. Well, it's not um, your extra su successes counted towards armor and resisting those. But oh, okay. uh, so a couple of you didn't need to use any armor. So actually, you would have four momentum because you didn't actually. A couple of you did not actually get hit. So you've got four momentum. Okay. Um, you can always give me doom. Basically, what's happening here is this entire cavern is filled with water. So what you're attempting to do is be able to swim up and just find enough air pockets to suck in a small bit of air as the current pulls you down. There's no way. None of you are strong enough to swim against the current. All you're looking for is air. Is there a swimming... Uh... It's just... It should, it's probably just straight athletics. There might be a... You could probably have like a focus in swimming, but... Could I cast another spell? Technically, the same spell, just change into another animal's shape. Ignore that rule of mine. I, I screwed up. Okay. Um. You know, I'll let you do it. Still difficulty three, though, because you're in a horrible environment and it's extremely difficult to concentrate. Uh, and it's actually as long as you, as long as you spend your resolve. Okay. Difficulty four. You spend your resolve. Make the cast. We'll see what happens. 
I'll spend a fortune here. Ooh, two complications. What an awful roll that was. My two complications. Gosh. Okay. Hey, my athletic skill is so trash. <laughs> Mine is at least 10. So, like, it's something, but oh my goodness. Mine's eight. Okay, so let's see. I got a success here. on the spell, but I forgot to change it to difficulty four, so I didn't actually earn momentum. Okay. So what did you turn into? A crocodile. Okay. Uh, so you shift into a crocodile. Uh, Zamir um, has a bad time. Um, as does Roya. As does Roya. So the complication here, uh, Aurelia makes it. Let's, did Long, uh, did uh, Drusus roll yet? Oh, I'm going to spend a fortune because I'm in heavy armor right now. It's a bit yep. difficult. Now that's true. That's true. Okay. So we've got uh, Sir Drusus and uh, Roya and Samir. You all take three points of fatigue as your vision is beginning to just kind of blacken out as you begin to drown and begin. You're fighting to keep your mouth shut, to keep the water out of your lungs, but you're beginning to black out. Um, Roya, your complication is um, you lose contact with with Ben in this river. You have no idea where he's at um, or how he's doing. Um, Zamir, your complications. I'm just going to give myself a couple points of doom for your complications at the moment. And the blackness is closing in on you who are drowning. The absolute blackness and cold around you is just seeping into your will. And then, in one moment, everything changes. It's still absolute darkness. But now, you're spit out into the air. Your stomachs immediately jump up into your throat. You feel water droplets cascading around you as you appear to be falling out of now what what feels like a waterfall. You smell brine in the air, but you're tumbling out of control. You can breathe, but there's a pressure here, an unusual pressure. And then your ears, your, you pick up the sound of something. Is it whistling? No, no, that's not right. It's chittering. It's a horrible chittering noise and the sounds of hundreds of flapping wings coming towards you. But you're tumbling so hard, it's hard to know what direction they're coming from, where they're at. So everybody can either give me an acrobatics check, difficulty one, or an observation check, difficulty three, to try to peer through all of the darkness and orient yourself to what is happening. Because at the moment, up and down have no relevance. Everything is dark. All you can see, in fact, within this cavern are a small cluster of pinprick lights that may be on the ceiling or they may be on the ground. You can't tell as you tumble around. What was you the difficulty say for acrobatics, acrobatics or athletics? Acrobatics, difficulty one, 
Observation, difficulty three. <laughs> yeah, observation of six. I don't think that's happening. I'm going to try observation, but I am going to take two momentum. Okay, so just a difficulty one for your um, acrobatics check. Would it give Who's us different says? information if we were to get observation as opposed to acrobatics? Not really. This is more about physically situating yourself in the space. Oh, I thought... Oops. That's okay. So Zamir gets... Okay, so your your momentum's all the way up to six. Mm -hmm. uh, Zamir passes. Aurelia passes. Roya passes. Sir Drusus passes. Um, and so back you pass because you only needed a, uh, a one. Uh, it's a difficulty one acrobatics. So the crocodile is falling level now, and you all are sort of you've you've righted yourself in space enough to know that up where up is and that the small lights you're actually falling towards is down and you sense and hear the sounds of these wings flapping coming at you basically from all directions so we're going to go around the horn as these swarms of razor wings attack in the dark now because you're able to orient yourself you can use acrobatics, because this is a basically a ranged attack. You can use acrobatics to defend yourselves uh, against this attack. So now we're flying through the air with birds around us, with a crocodile and a donkey falling with us? Exactly. Not so much flying. More like, well, <laughs> flying like a brick flies when it's thrown off of a building. I will say this. You guys have been falling long enough at this point to wonder... Am I ever going to stop falling? Which is a bad indication on the distance that you're actually falling and how it might feel when you hit something. But we're going to start uh, with Aurelia um, as these things come in at you. And as they get close enough, I mean, you can't see anything. It's pitch black in here. Mm -hmm. But when they land on you and start biting and burrowing, you realize they're more reptilian. And for everybody at home, it's almost like they're miniature pterodactyls with shark's teeth. Okay. Uh... And they try to bite you. Do you want to try to resist this bite? Yeah, I would like to do some acrobatics, please. Fantastic. So you roll your acrobatics. I will roll the uh, swarming bite attack, and we'll see who does better. Okay. Nice. Two successes. Oh, God. That's so much dice. Yeah, that's a swarm. They get... So they have many minions. Dice. So many dice. So um, they succeed, um, reducing their number of uh, momentum, though, um, by your number, by your amount of momentum, so by one. So, But they do attack. They do succeed. They do damage. They don't add their extra damage in. That's not how the swarm works. So you just, uh, do you have any armor on your right arm? Uh, oh God, that's a great question. Um, no. Okay. They, they've got two effects anyway, and it's piercing too, so it probably wouldn't have mattered anyway. Um, but you do take two points of damage. 
Okay. Uh, as the swarm basically shreds through your right arm, taking small chunks out of it, and they are grabbed a hold of your right arm now. Um, and it looks like what it feels like, because you can't really see them, it feels like their little teeth have bored a hole through the flesh. And you feel like a long tongue kind of pushing its way through the muscle tissue and deep into the bone, almost if it's trying to suck blood and fluid Ew. out of your body. Okay. I need you to make a difficulty free resistance check. Cool. I've never done that. Um, so it's, it's just resistance is a skill, so... Oh, okay. Oh, God, this is such a shit skill. You can always give me doom, or you can spend fortune. Uh, you know, those are always options. Yeah, I'll give you a doom. Okay. Failure. Okay, okay. So, uh, you are subject to the slake the thirst attack as a reaction to this. Uh, this you cannot dodge. Um, I've got 23 Doom, so I'm going to buy an extra die here. It just seems like the thing to do. Okay, so yeah, it successfully... These, these tongue-like things of the swarm, I mean, all up and down your right arm, you feel these things penetrating, almost basically slamming into your bone, just gnawing out muscle tissue and drinking blood. Uh, and, ah, it's not that bad. You just take two more points of damage. Um, so you've taken a total of four points of damage as you fall through the, through the air, uh, with these things latched onto you. Sobek, the crocodile, um, you are falling, uh, and you are also being attacked by this swarm. Um, they are going to attempt to bite you. You can also attempt a crocodilian acrobatics to whip your tail around and try not to get completely consumed by these things. Acrobatics, jaws snapping wildly, tail whipping back and forth. And I will give you more doom. Excellent. Oh, I did get a complication. Uh, difficulty one, you said? Difficulty one. Yeah, you're just resisting this, so it's an offset. I only got four successes, so it's not that great. And I got a complication, so... And you got three successes. So I still succeeded uh, in hitting you. Um, but I won't be applying any of the momentum anyway. So you're going to get hit with the swarming bites as well. And you don't have any armor on your left arm, do you? I don't have any armor at all. I didn't think so. So you take four more points of damage. So that takes your vigor down to zero. So that's yes, another wound for you. Um, so you've got two wounds and you're at zero vigor. So you're not at your best. Um, however, now wait a second. Crocodiles have armor, don't they? Yes, but I, I have up, to yeah. spend momentum to get all of the crocodile oh, that's things right, that's and I right. didn't get it. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, you're down to zero vigor. Uh, you've taken two wounds. However, the complication they got is they, as they flew by you at the, in this crocodile form, they struck you on the most armored part of the crocodile, and they weren't able to latch on, so they're not able to grapple you. That will be the complication from that. Bringing us to Zamir. 
as the swarm flies in to get a tasty treat Whoa. of Zamir flesh before he hits whatever he's going to run into when the falling stops. There is only one creature that is allowed to bite my flesh, and it is not these things. Um, <laughs> acrobatics, you said? Acrobatics. You can do it. All right. I, I'm i going for broke because uh, we got a lot of momentum, so I'm just going to purchase some, some extra die. I like it. Uh, why not? Uh difficulty just one matter, right yeah, yeah it's just difficulty one it's just a struggle so uh two damn. complications two natural right that's the second roll tonight i've gotten two complications on yeah that's that's ugly you got three successes, three successes though. though yeah but i got five successes so i got i got more successes so yeah they're going to go ahead and do some damage here um So, do you have any armor on your head? Uh, actually, no. It's the only place I don't have armor. Okay, so you take three points of damage, um, physical damage, and they yeah. have grappled you, and they're latched into your scalp. You've got one feels like it's trying to burrow in through your ear. Another one is kind of at your neck, burrowing up into your lower jaw. Um, as I need a difficulty three resistance test... Um, so for you to attempt to avoid the blood drain. All right. Um, it's really fun spending stuff and rolling all these critical fail or complications. <laughs> yep, that, is, that is good yeah. stuff. I'm going to do it again anyway. Difficulty three. Difficulty three. At some uh, point, the 20s have to stop. You At think. some point. Here we go. That's three successes. Three successes. All right. So um, you're able, you you basically are knocking them off of your head as you fall, um, slipping around. Um, However, because of how unexpected it was for you to feel them on your head and your face, the complications are is that you've knocked yourself off kilter too. So you're spinning again. And whenever you hit whatever you're going to hit, you won't be hitting it in a particularly good physical position. Sir Drusus Jolden, the swarm is upon you. I'm flailing my limbs. I love it. All right. One success. Okay, let's see how they do. Okay, four successes. So uh, they are able to fly by you, get past your armor, and begin to bite, focusing... uh, their attacks on your left arm. Uh, do you have any armor on your left arm? Yeah, I have three, but it looks like you might be piercing. Uh, but you have is, no effect. But I get no effect. So awesome. you only take two points of damage as as a couple of them are managed to get up under your uh, under one of your pieces of armor. Uh, however, since they are there. Uh, they are latching in, trying to burrow into your flesh. So I need a resist, uh, difficulty three resistance test. Okay. I'd like to use one momentum. I think that's reasonable. Three success. All right. So you're once again, you're, you, you reach in and you pull these things out. You, you feel the flesh tearing in the darkness. Uh, but none of them are still latched to you. As last but not least, Roya, uh, 
the swarm collides with you, wrapping itself against you. So the flavor for this is that she's going to like pull her staff out and she's just wildly flailing the staff around her, just trying to see it. like how many exactly. Just, yeah. So this is athletics, right? Ath uh, acrobatics. Oh, that's right. The one that I'm not as good at. All right. Uh, acrobatics. I'll spend a momentum and I'll give you a doom. Two successes. Good. Six successes. So uh, they're they're able to bite uh, bite down on you. Uh, tear at your flesh. Four. Six. Oh, you got any armor on your left arm? One. Okay, so it's not enough that the piercing gets through that. Uh, you take six points of damage, so you take a wound on your left arm uh, and one extra point of vigor. So six points of vigor, one wound. Okay. That. Oh, I don't know what I just did. Ah, the sheet always... Ah. What am I trying to do? Okay. Sorry. How many points of vigor? Oh. Six. Uh, six points of vigor. Okay. Down to two, if I can do that. Got Sorry. it. Got it. Okay. Um, so I need a difficulty three resistance check. Oh, sure. I'm not done. Uh... <laughs> Never that easy. Nope, they're going to feed on your arm like me. Uh, I'm going to spend a momentum and give another doom and roll another complication and fail. All right, so they've latched on to you. Uh, they're digging deep uh, as they attempt, as they try to slake their thirst. So the complication is, is I'm just going to give myself a free d20. Uh, on my roll to see if I can drink a sufficient amount of blood to really make a difference. Okay, I did succeed. And let's see what kind of damage we're going to get out of them eating the flesh and drinking the blood from your body. Uh, you take four more points of physical, four more points of vigor, um, unless you've got that armor on your torso. I have one armor on my torso, and I had two vigor. Okay, so you take three points of damage, but you had two vigor, so you are zero vigor, and you have a second wound. Okay. And make sure you guys Ow. are putting your wounds in, because remember, each wound also increases the difficulty. Uh, vigor wounds for increase the, the difficulty yeah. for physical acts. Um, at that point, though, all the swarms of these razor wings lift off and fly back into the sky as you strike. And it feels like you have hit concrete. You slam into an unyielding surface at first, knocking the air out of your lungs. Blackness above you, blackness beneath you. And then you slip beneath the briny waves of this warm water, salt water, underground sea. First, let's resolve falling. 
I need feet first or belly flop. Is that what we're rolling <laughs> for here? Basically, basically feet first or, or, or belly flop. Exactly. Um, cool. So you're falling and pull that up. It was an extreme fall, the distance. That's why you were falling for long enough to think, am I ever going to stop falling? Um, so you're going to take damage. You all make a difficulty one acrobatics check. And once again, this will act as armor against falling damage. I assume I don't make it because I'm unconscious. That is true. You do not make it because you're unconscious. And I'm just going to give this one damage uh, roll for everybody to speed things up a little bit. So six points of damage. Um, so Roya, you take another wound. Oh, that was belly flop. That was a hard belly flop. Zamir, you take four points of damage. Aurelia, um, you take five points of damage and take a wound. Unless now, once again, if you've got armor, that also that reduces falling damage. So, if you have armor, take whatever damage I gave you and subtract it. So you may not necessarily get a wound from it. Uh, from so, what from what slot though? Uh, what would you want yeah. to do it from? Just just your torso. Okay. Uh, so Sir Drusus, um, you failed, so you would take six points, but you've got armor on your torso, right? Yeah. And how Reduced much armor three. do you have? Three. Okay, so you, you take three points of damage from the fall. Uh, Aurelia, do you have any armor on your? Yeah, I have two. On okay, my torso. so so you, you also take I three. Took three. Okay. Uh, Zamir. Uh, Zamir is down to zero vigor and yeah, he's out. Okay, so you've got zero vigor. Um, so you take a wound. Yep, already, already logged oh. Who is conscious? I'm still like anyone. Okay. Aurelia. Okay, so you're starting to sink. Um, and you, but you see, you finally see those of you who are conscious, those lights that you saw from above, and they are great globes, um, of, of, of light attached to this large, um, skiff, this large flat bottom boat with two pontoons out on either side. And you see in the light, a man leaning over to you and speaking in Aquilonian and he's screaming, Hurry, pull your people to the boat. Get on the boat. There are things that feed beneath these waterfalls. You must hurry. I'll listen to his cries and just start using my arms, my legs, pulling whoever's okay. near me. Okay. Um. So there's, I mean, Sobek the crocodile. Well, Sobek, you go back to your human form if you fall unconscious, right? So, I mean, you all basically fell together. So uh, Roy is there, Zamir is there, Sobek's there. The only thing that hasn't surfaced has been. Yeah, Aurelia, unfortunately, is not going to worry about Ben. <laughs> uh, she's going to grab... Roy is unconscious, so... Yeah. Whoever's closest, whether it's Roya or Zemir, and start dragging him to this boat. Okay. Um, so you grab Roya and you pull her in. Um, 
Drusus, you're you're right there with with uh, Selbeck and Severe. You could grab both of them. Uh, it'll just be an awkward swim check. So Aurelia, I need you to make a difficulty two athletics check. And Sir Drusus, I need you to make a difficulty two athletics check as well to see how quickly you can get yourself and the rest of your party to the boat. If you succeed, you make it in one round. If you don't, you don't. This is one of the momentums we have there. Mm-hmm. We've got two, but there's a complication. Okay, two, but a complication. Okay, um, all right, that's fair. Uh, you're able to get them on the boat in one round. However, you realize that um, you've lost something in the fall. A piece of your gear. I'll let you pick. You just tell us what it is. And Aurelia, you are you're struggling to get Roya on the boat, and um, so you're not. Maybe that's because my right arm is so fucked up with those things still. Exactly, and you do see mm. blood, blood in the water. Your blood in the water. Roya's blood in the water. The blood of your party in the water. And you feel something moving beneath you. Give me a. I'm gonna. I'm gonna roll a. A D six here, and we're gonna we're gonna see what. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> in our random random blood in the water random encounter table, you got nothing. Nothing is coming up. Something is moving beneath you, but apparently, it's not coming up for you right now. So, uh, but you're closer to the boat. You just weren't able to make it in one round. So you're able to get there in the second round, and you're all on the boat. Um. Sir Joldan and Aurelia, you see this man. He is, he's got a scraggly beard and his hair is long, but you can tell that he was probably uh, an Aquilonian noble or a scholar. He's in finely dressed clothes, you know, uh, explorer's gear, but it's, it's worn and tattered. But the rest of the people on this boat that are, are, are manning this boat look very different. They're much shorter they're much thinner. They have very long legs and incredibly long fingers. And their heads are sort of, their faces are sort of flattened and their noses are very flat. And they have very large eyes that are set slightly to the sides of their head. And he's 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 speaking to them um, in a language you don't quite understand, but they're helping to pull everybody up. And he turns back to me, he's like, you must stay within the light at all times. Make sure you are within a field of light. Otherwise, the razor wings will come for you. Uh, th- thank you, friend, of course. Uh, uh, As he mentions the razor wings, Aurelia snapping the necks of the ones that are burrowed in her arm and pulling them out. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Those vicious things. Anything in the air is, is their prey. They only they won't come too close to the sea though because the things that hunt in the sea will simply leap out and snap them from the air. I've seen it when they fly too fly too low. But you're safe for now. We've got to continue to capture some fresh water for the village. And that's what you see they're actually doing is maneuvering under this waterfall and they're collecting buckets of fresh water. Um, so they're there for about another 30 minutes. And during that time, uh, those of you who uh, had lost vigor, you recover your vigor. You still have your wounds, but you recover your vigor. 
And if anybody wants to treat their wounds at this point, um, you can. So once your once your vigor's back to a positive, you you guys wake back up. It was more like the shock of hitting the water and the shock of everything you went through the last few minutes. You just basically you passed out. You blacked out for a few moments, and now things are calming down and you're waking up. I mean, you're beaten up. You're bloody. You're bruised. Uh, you realize that Ben never surfaced. Uh, you don't know what happened to him. Um, if it was tumbling through the uh, the underwater river or the fall, uh, but he does not surface. Thank goodness he doesn't awake. Perhaps he stayed up where he was and didn't have to go donkey falling down like the rest Perhaps. of Perhaps. Oh, no. There was a terrible <laughs> creature beneath the water that when I was dragging you up onto the boat, I'm pretty sure it ate Ben. Oh my god! <laughs> I appreciate uh, that it wasn't you. Yes, yes. See, sometimes, um, so Roy literally has a talent called comforting lies. <laughs> <laughs> so she's just going to say, counseling herself. Nope, nope. This is this is not what happened. He stayed in the mountain. He is going to eat mushrooms and uh, survive. And no, he did not. No. Nope, that is not what... Nope, and Aurelia nope, 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 is nope. a very serious person, so she doesn't get what you're trying to do, and she just kind of <laughs> looks at you. Maybe you did hit your head too hard. Uh, <laughs> and she just... Yes, I am, I, I, I am... I'm going to, to busy myself right now with uh, these bags. Do I... Uh, did I fall with my medicine bags? Yeah, you guys have... The only person who lost anything was Sir Jaldan. What did you lose in the I fall? I ended up losing a knife that I had okay. in my belongings. Okay. Ever, yeah, the rest of your stuff, you, you fell with it intact somehow, miraculously, probably because you're big damn heroes. Uh, but you have all of your gear, uh, minus a knife and a donkey. Okay. So, uh, and the man the man comes over to you. He goes, uh, I am I am Malachi Martins uh, of Aquilonia. We, well, the those of us who are left and, and these denizens of 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 this place uh often come out here for fresh water it's rare that we find anything else slipping from above but you are welcome here i am sorry that you have come but you are welcome here aquilonia it's quite the ways what are you doing all the way out uh, here well, let's wait till we get back into we need to move quickly with that much blood in the water there. And you guys do see these huge shark dorsal fins uh, swimming around the boat. And he goes, but there are bigger and more horrible things in the sea this far out. It's it's safer near the in the shallows, near the, near the drowned city. When we get to the shore, um, I'll explain everything. And at that point, he starts talking to these, these other people uh, in their language again. And they start spinning the barge. Uh, using sails and a rudder and some sort of apparatus. You've, now that you're on this boat, you have never seen a boat of this design. It's uh, made of materials you can't identify and is being propelled in ways that you don't think it should be able to. There's no wind down here or not sufficient wind to use sails, but somehow something is generating wind against these sails. And Sobek, it's not magic. But the boat slowly is making its way back towards shore. Uh, your 
your savior, uh, Malachi Martens, is is working amongst the ship, and he's at the he's at what you assume is the wheel, though it doesn't look like a normal ship wheel. Is there anything that the that you want to do while uh, while the ship is making its way towards the shore that you cannot see? I mean, you are basically just this small small sphere of light. All you can see is basically the deck of this boat, and everything else is pitch black. So Roya is going to kind of reach into her bag while she's just sort of like Aurelia's not listening to the uh, lies that she is speaking. And so she's just going to like kind of shake her head and kind of focus on, you know, kind of going through her bags and and getting out everything that she needs. Um, And she's going to look down at her wounds that are not looking particularly good. And then she's going to look over to Sobek's wounds, who seems to be equivalently not looking good. Um, and we'll attempt to do some bind wounds. Okay. And yet nice. seven successes, which it's been nice. so long since I feel I don't know what that even does. Let me double check. <laughs> That's pretty good. For each momentum, you can heal one additional harm. Yep. Uh, it's treated. It's not actually removed, but it uh, doesn't count towards difficulty anymore. So that means all of your wounds are gone. Is that what that means? Sorry. Uh, it should be. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All, you all, could even all... you could even bank three momentum. I'm just going to let you roll that amazing roll over. So basically, you work on everybody, and you're able to heal everybody's harms. You know, bind their wounds, take care of them. So, and, and as as Stephen was saying, so as long as you don't take another uh wound to that location um before it's fully healed you'll be fine but if you take another wound to that location it opens up those old the old wounds and and you you suffer all of the wounds so and while you're doing that the ship pulls into the dock and you see um it's 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 kind of hard to describe this this village um the into- all the streets are lit by these by these glowing balls, uh, but you can't see too far deep into the streets. But you do see lights within buildings, but the buildings, none of the angles are quite right. The architecture isn't quite right. There's these sweeping arches that don't quite seem to make the right angle. And staircases seem to twist back on themselves. Uh, it's it's a very unsettling village. And you see moving up and down these stairways, because the village itself is set basically on the shore, going up a hill towards the cliffs themselves. Um, you see more of these people, these degenerate people. They all have light globes with them as they move about their business. But it is like a normal village. They're moving about their business. They're stopping in marketplaces. They're going between buildings. You can hear the sounds of what sounds like a blacksmith, perhaps. And that's when uh, Malachi turns to you and he's like, oh, come with me. And he hands each one of you one of these small globes. And they, they, they kind of appear to be made essentially of like hardened resin or web. And within them, you can see what looks like phosphorescent glowing worms or leeches within each. He's like, they'll last for a couple of days, so we should be fine. I'll take you, I will take you into, into the leader's house 
and you can meet the rest of us, and then I will tell you our tale. Where and he begins are to... we, exactly? Ah, this is, well, we call it the village of the descendants of Sarkomand. So you, you might not have recognized, you were, you were only quasi-conscious, and, and you were working on them, miss, but as we passed over the shallows, there is a great city beneath the waves here in the shallows we those of us from the aquilonian expedition believe that that is the fabled city of sarcomand the villagers themselves don't have a name for their village they don't have a name for themselves uh, they simply are here and they serve the dweller that's all we know about them truly we are Beneath the mountains in Harkatia, and there is... Yes, you're, we are deep beneath the mountains in Harkania. This is an and... underground sea, and we have not even not even attempted to map it. It's it's a huge body of water. You simply, you're lucky that the, the crevice that you fell through, the waterfall you fell through, was close to the city and close to us. It's... There are dozens of places where the waters flow free into this sea, spread out throughout the darkness. And the, and the dragon, Aurelia, what happened? Did it follow? I, I, I don't know. So Zamir is probably very confused, banged his head, was knocked out, etc. Um, so he's looking around and if, uh, if Aurelius says no, he'll go up to Sobek. Sarkomand. Do you know of this place? Would I know of this place? Give me a difficulty three sorcery check. Oh, I can do that. I knew. I figured you could. Uh, do we have momentum? No. Okay. Just going to let it rip. Let it rip. Just two. Darn. Okay, so you can have you, heard. Can Ray roll a lore? Sure. Um, do you have any sorcery training whatsoever? Uh, I've got, uh, yeah, two in lore and two in sorcery. Okay, so it's still, it'd be a difficulty three lore check for you. All right. Uh, we difficulty three. Yeah. It's daunting, but I'll try and fail. Okay. Um, you you don't think you've heard of the city at all, Roya. However, Sobek, you know, uh, you don't know much, but you know that you've read of this city uh, in connection with some traveler's tale um, that was thought to be uh, nonsense. A, a fellow priest of Set who had infiltrated uh, into Aquilonia, into the great library of Aquilonia, had heard something. And that just kind of jarring your memory that he said or mentioned something in a report about a city. And you think it was Sarcomond. It is possible that I've heard of this city, although it would have been passing. I know nothing firm about the details. And uh, Malachi turns to you, he's like, oh, don't worry. I've got some things to tell you, or the group does, but let's get indoors where it's safer. 
even with the lights, sometimes the razor wings will brave it in a in a hope for a tasty treat, a nibble, an ear, a nose. They're voracious, flying piranha. But come, come, come inside. It takes you up the stairs and into a larger building. And you get inside and once again, the inside doesn't look like it matches up with the outside. Uh, but there are pillars going down this great hall. They appear to be everything in here seems to be made of marble on the inside. But on the outside, you were, would swear it was eroding stone. But you can hear talking coming in from inside, and and Malachi uh, raises his voice and he goes, "We have guests from above," and uh, you see um, four other people come out clearly. Um, from from the Hyborian kingdoms, uh, and a woman, a, a very attractive middle aged woman, uh, also in in clothes that would have been fine perhaps six months ago, uh, approaches, and she looks at all of you, and then she looks at uh, Sir Jordan. She goes, "I, I am Countess Alexandra Kirawan. and who am I addressing?" I am Drusus Jordan. From Corinthia. Hmm. A Corinthian. And your friends? Uh, yes, and I'll introduce them. Okay. She goes, it is a pleasure to meet you. Malachi always does bring back the most interesting things from his trips. Let me introduce the others. This is Jermyn Juntz. He was our guide. Ignacio Shakabak was one of our lore masters and this this last fellow here is Etienne Lagasse uh, who was also one of the scholars with us and then Malachi chimes on he's like I I promised you a story here have a seat um German can you please uh, get some of the 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 mushroom ale uh for the for our friends and some some food uh some of the fish uh they must be starving after their ordeal first my friends how did you come to be in this plight were you searching for us we knew nothing no. of you we no, were we fell in the mountains damn. Damn. and spewed out damn and damn again well and will someone be searching for you? Are we still in Peking? No, no. Kitai is... We believe we're within the borders of Hyrcania here. But it is hard to tell. But we are, by all estimates, close to a mile underground, I believe. I did have a donkey that I was traveling with, so perhaps there might be a donkey that might wander around, but um, we will not. We will. We will keep our eyes open. Aurelia is behind Roya, going, "No, he's dead." <laughs> <laughs> Malachi just sort of nods. He's like, <laughs> "There is a powerful creature that uh, had chased us into the mountains." That is why we were in the caves to begin with. There is a possibility it could be following us, yes. 
Well, if it finds its way down here, perhaps we can bargain with it to see if it can aid us if it is that powerful. But well, I certainly know something that it wants. And he just kind of <laughs> stares at Drusus. <laughs> well, perhaps that's a story you can tell us sometime. We've been ourselves trapped down here for, I mean, it's very hard to tell in the dark, but we try to, we try to count our sleep cycles. I think... I think our party fell a year ago, or perhaps 13 months. What do you, do you think, Ignacio? This, Ignacio is uh, he's, he's a gaunt-faced, shorter man, uh, thin, like he hasn't been eating enough, and he's got a scowl on his face, and he's got a very haunted expression in his eyes. And Malachi, I don't care anymore. I don't care how long we've been here. I don't care what you're looking for. I don't care about these people. Just tell them what has happened and what will happen. Tell them the whole story. And he turns and stalks off. Malachi, you must forgive. You must forgive, Ignacio. He is... We are all very tired. Let me begin. There was a man. A man who came out of a closet in the library in Aquilonia. A closet that was in a secure part of the library where no one could have possibly escaped into. And he stumbled out of this closet and he looked around and then he ran through the library, opening doors and jumping through them begging at the, and screaming at the top of his lungs, let me back in. When we were able to finally calm him down, he said his name was Ambrose Nardi and that he had been somewhere else, some when else. He described fantastic places to us, a village called Ulthar, where it was forbidden to kill cats. A plateau of black basalt called Lang. And, and a great city where he was had said he had been living for a decade or more. Called Selaface, that was never touched by time within the valley of Uth Naragi. But and he tried to get back. He he did not know how he got here. He said he had simply walked through a door within the city and that it had spat him back out here. Now, of course, we thought he was mad that he had somehow managed to penetrate the library's defenses and he was simply a madman. However, he had a dagger made of black iron like nothing we had ever seen and a pendant made of a metal not of this world with a stone he said was carved from the moon. So we decided to question him more closely and he said that he'd actually been an explorer and a prospector and he had been traveling in the mountains of Hyrcania and he had slipped through a crack and fallen through into a great underground sea above a drowned city 
He said great beasts circled him and he was swimming, but it was so dark he could see nothing. But he had some small magic, so he cast a spell of light and held it close to him. And he saw a chimney in this city as he saw these creatures, these great sharks swimming towards him. And he decided to swim down this chimney and attempt to hold his breath long enough for them to leave. But when he passed to the bottom of the chimney, he was spit out into a room of air. And within the city, he began to explore, trying to find a way out. He said some of the some of the avenues within the city were drowned underwater. Some were filled with air. There were creatures stalking him throughout, hurting him, chasing him, attacking him. And he was on his last leg when he finally burst through a door. And that's when he found himself in a monastery on this plateau of Lang. And that's when he said his true journey started. Again, we thought he must be mad, but he drew such detailed maps and had such detailed remembrances that one of the nobles of Aquilonia decided to put together an expedition to the mountains to try to find this drowned city. There were 30 of us when we set out. We found the caverns. We made our way through. We burst through above in the great ceiling, the vaults, somewhere up there. And we began to build a platform and we started to build what we hoped would be a pulley system so we could climb down and see what was here. But then creatures began to boil out of the caverns above us. They pushed against us, tearing at our flesh. We were shoved over and into the air as our platforms fell around us. Of the 30 of us who were started that day, 25 hit the water. 18 of us were dragged out onto the shore by these people. In the year or 13 months, well, we've tried to explore the city, the drowned city, Sarkomond, to find this door through. We've tried to explore this cavern to find any other way out. But the 18 became 12, became 7. And then the dwellers came for their sacrifice. And then we were five, the five of us who are here. I don't think there is any other way out of this cavern except for through that magic doorway that that madman Ambrose Nardi described. But we haven't been able to find the chimney and the creatures of the deep attack anytime we go in the water the creatures of the air attack anytime the lights go out and the dwellers in the deep demand sacrifice from these people and from us whenever they choose to come to shore that that is the world that you have found yourself in now which is why i said that i was happy to see you but that i was sorry that you were here Sort of These sacrifice did you mean by this? They come from the deep. These, I don't, I don't even know how to describe them. They have scaly skin and faces like fish and mouths like sharks. 
and they come from the depths and they take the young some some they take into the shallows and tear to pieces and eat some they take away and they'll surface weeks later bellies distended with the young of the dwellers in the deep and in their death throes they will give birth to people like these villagers some or dwellers like themselves the dwellers return to the water the villagers return to the land to serve the dwellers the two of us they took well one was meat and one died in the agony of having their bodies split apart by the mewling young of those creatures this is a watery hell and we have to find a way out of it have the you darkness been workings. keeping notes as to your attempts so that yes. we do not oh, yes, yes. repeat what you have done to the best of our ability the, the darkness is absolute so we try to search using our lights and what boats we have this boat that i was take, taking you out on that's the one we take the furthest it was i think a boat of sarcomond it is not of any construction of any land that i'm aware of but we also take out reed skiffs into the shallows and we use the globes and we've tried to build a map but it's almost as if the city itself resists being known we go to a place that we know we had been the day before and it is completely different at a different depth appears different the city itself much like this village just isn't right this is clear from just laying eyes upon it that it is not uh do you have individuals that can do magic no our only our only caster was a was a priest of mitras and she was one of the early ones to fall she was trying to map the cavern she she felt there had to be some sort of seam or vent that would allow us to climb back up through the cave walls she had a party some villagers and a couple of our people and she found the a crease and she was moving into it and these horrid humanoid creatures boiled out of it i think it's the same people or creatures that forced us out of that cavern they were bat-eared and fanged they tore her to pieces two of the villagers escaped to tell us what happened there is no safety anywhere here there are horrors even within this village that i as a man of aquilonia can barely stomach but this is the safest place we have found these villages what keeps them in your command then they serve only the dweller the dwellers in the deep they don't follow our orders per se they 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 are used to serving if you ask something of them that they can give without harming themselves they simply do it because that is in their nature i believe they are bred purely to serve these other creatures as food as hosts for their children perhaps as something else i do not know but 
They're simple, a simple people. You must have other questions or are you simply tired and wish to rest? A lot to take well, in. You have informed us of our impending doom that oh. we have found ourselves uh, rescued just to discover that we are trapped and likely to die. So we are taking this Come in. now, none of that. Of course, we we are here. It is providence. We are here to help these people. So you are very fortunate. You are right to enjoy our, our arrival. For we bring a very brilliant sorcerer. He has kept his, his quiet here because he is that very tired and dutiful. But I can assure you he is... Well, he has gotten himself and the rest of us out of far worse situations. Is that not right, Lord Sobek? Well, I am all-powerful, but I am exhausted as well. Of course. So what would you like to do? You're, he tells you, Malachi says... We all stay within this hall. They've given us this hall um, as our own. They think that we are something above them, but beneath the dwellers in the deep. Um, you're, you're free to stay here. If you need food, if you need mushroom, ale, I would not drink the water. Do not drink the water. Do not let any of them convince you to drink the water. Mushroom ale, and the food is fine. Anything you ask for that they can provide, they will. But under no circumstances, drink the water. Who produces? What is the so air? dangerous about the water? The first to die who came out of the ocean drank the water from the people. He immediately began to change weight sloughed off him within a period of 12 hours his guts became distended his stomach protruded his joints and arms seemed to bend backwards on themselves new joints appeared in his fingers he screamed and screamed as the changes took him his eyes bled as his ocular cavity split and his skull reshaped until he appeared almost like one of these villagers. And as his tongue started to fall from his mouth and his lungs close off and gills began to sprout on his neck, he slit his own throat in agony and madness. I can't say that all the water here will do that to you, We've decided not to risk it. There, I'm Thank sorry. I do not mean description. Do not mean to pry, but uh, mushroom ale. I'm presuming it is made with water. Is it not? It seems. No, no. Uh, it's it's pulped mushroom and purified urine, but it's all that we have to drink. I thought I tasted urine. Excellent. That, uh, my palate is returning to me. It's it's not not that bad. Etienne is a is a fair hand at alchemy, and he can do miracles with some of the 
different compounds and sulfurs and charcoals that he's able to take out of some of these rocks as filtration. It's mainly water. Might I propose that you, uh, if it would not be an imposition for us to find a place to rest, we have been through quite an ordeal, not just the fall, but in the days prior to that fall. We have our own stories. Obviously, yours are far more pressing. And once we get out of here, as Lord Sobek will certainly lead us to our escape, we will tell you all about them. But I, I think he needs rest and he needs to ponder. And if we could perhaps speak with you and the others about what um, specific tasks you have tried to escape, where you have gone and venture into the city in greater depth, perhaps there is something... A new set of eyes. We, My that is our back. greatest hope. Our greatest hope is that you can find what we have not been able to. The five of us are all that remain. And if the five of you, if we can be 10 strong and find our way out of this hell hole and through this sunken city, it is a dream that we've all dreamed since the moment we came here. We, have- we will do anything we can. We have a brilliant scholar. We have one of the greatest warriors the world has seen in Serdrosis. It is a new day. I guarantee it. We will. We will find a way out of here. I am certain of it. We were sent here for a reason, I think. From your mouth to Mitra's ears, we hope. But yes, by all means, please take whatever place within this hall. Uh, all of the rooms are open. You'll see our... Our, our, our few items in our sleeping corners. You can bed down wherever you wish. Take whatever corners of this hall you want. There are separate rooms if you'd prefer more privacy. Always keep a light globe with you. And if it starts to dim, come and find us. We would have to take you to the light maker to get a new globe. Okay, thank you. And with that, he leaves you uh, alone. He goes back and he's starting to try to uh, uh, get Ignazio to, to calm down a little bit. And you see the, the Alexandra Kirawan and, and German Juntz, they've moved off and they're talking to some of the other villagers. So they're all trying to give you privacy to rest and, and talk amongst yourself. Samir, uh, are you able to reach Grandmother Wisp here? It's not entirely how it works. Um, uh, okay. Uh, but she spoke to me briefly in the caves. She said to keep our heads down. Well, she said for me to keep my head down. And that, well, most of the time, I would make it through. <laughs> I'm sure it means you will all get through as well. I would not leave you. She's already forgotten my affections. And <laughs> do not be offended. Uh, I do not mean to uh, be arrogant, but when standing in the presence of Zamir, it is hard to pay attention to that which stands beside him. That is fair. Plus, uh, plus I am sure we will find other ways to the good news is that we have traded our impending 
devouring by a celestial dragon for our much slower descent into madness or some other form of terrible death, but we have time. That is something we did not have this morning. That is true. And perhaps, if anything else, the dragon can dig a hole through this mountain and perhaps they can be saved if... Hmm. We heard the stories of a man who was appeared out of nowhere within an Aquilonian library and was hopping from library door to door. I suspect we might not be beneath Arcania any longer. This place might be something different somewhere else. Remember, oh, well, when we were at the uh, the priestess's uh, home, we, we stepped through, through gates that took us from one location to another. Perhaps that is what we fell through. Who knows? But there is a way out. There must be. Aurelia just kind of nods and, well, I, I try to speak to her if you can. Pray, I don't, I don't know what needs to be done. Uh, I will listen very closely for her voice. And if, if her help is needed, she will reach out. I am sure. Aurelia, while you're thinking about Grandmother Wisp, at the very, very edge of your hearing, very edge of your hearing, you hear a very soft caw, caw, the sound of a crow, perhaps marking your location, perhaps letting you know that there are other beings watching over you as well. Yeah, because well, because when Aurelia separates, that's what she's going to at least, because uh, she doesn't really know how to reach them. She's never been a religious person before, uh, so she does sort of reach out her, sends her will or whatever, like her wishes, to apologize again, and just ask her to keep her and guide her if she can, if she deems her worthy, kind of thing. And as you're praying and thinking those thoughts and thinking of atonement, it's almost like you feel a gentle feathers brushing against the side of your face. Uh, very gently, um, almost uh, as if they're in wrapping you uh, momentarily uh, in their protection before you once again hear that very, very faint caw and then the sensation is gone. Roya, Sertrusus, Sobek. What do you guys do? There's some time. I'd like to head out into the village and just sort of explore it. Okay. I would like to study the maps that they've created. Okay. Roya? Uh, Roya would tag along with uh, Sir Jolden. Okay, so you guys grab up your 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 globes and you head out into the pitch can, black. Can I just raise something? Like, shouldn't we rest though? Like, like, well, yeah, yeah. both in terms of our like, because I, I mean, I, some of us I think are fatigued. We are we're down with fatigue and whatnot. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, yes, you absolutely should rest. We should. We should. <laughs> okay. We really should probably rest before yeah, we start pushing. The three wounds. Anything. Yeah, Raya. I mean, we well, we literally just this, spent like a week like getting chased this across. Is true. Good. So it's weird to. Very good point. We will wake up here in the morning and I can always go out then. Uh, Sir Drusus, are you going to venture alone or are you going to get some shut-eye with the rest of us? 
Ah, Z- Zamir is right. I got ahead of myself. The sounds of weird deep beasts got me excited. <laughs> uh, so, Sobek, before you bed down with the rest, you take a look at the maps they have, and you can tell, I mean, it looks like a professional cartographer has really been working at this, but they have overlays and, like, pieces of vellum overlaying other pieces of vellum, almost as if to indicate that at this one spot where they went on this day, it looked like this. And then on another day, you can see it's not an actual date. You think it's the number of days since they got here is how they're keeping track of time. But you can see a lower piece has a completely different look to the city as part of the map. And this patchwork layered quilted map uh, seems to cover a fairly large area that's near the shore, um, but you think it's probably only a fraction of the total city. It looks like they've hit all of the most shallow areas before they've started to move deeper into the city itself. You have no idea how far across this inland sea or this underground sea this city goes, but just based on what you've seen that they've mapped, it's probably a city at least the size of Corinthia. Um, I don't know if this is something that Aurelia would be able to tell or not, but I presume maybe because she's a hunter, this might be something she knows. But um, does any of the changing among the maps of like the places that they've checked and then it being different, does that have any correlation with like the phases of the moon? Or anything to that extent? Um, You wouldn't be able to figure that out based on their information because you don't know what the phases of the moon were when they correlated to the number of days they had been here. Mm -hmm. However, if you looked at the city and then looked at it at another day, you would be able to figure it out because you know what the phase of the moon was when you got here. So going forward, you'd be able to figure it out, but there's no real way to figure out their calendar going backwards because their days aren't actual days. They're based on sleep sleep cycles. cycles, So. Okay. Okay. I really will keep that in the back of my mind then. And you got, you all think that might be why a couple of the, these Aquilonians seem really on edge and stressed out and maybe a little crazy because there is no night. There is no day. There is no required sleep patterns. There is, nothing human, nothing normal about this situation. And it's beginning to tell on all of them. In fact, you're surprised. Well, I mean, they did come down here with 18 people and there's only five left. So, uh, so these must be the five toughest people, but they do look very, very worn thin. So Beck, I, uh, perhaps this is just me being, Simple and literal, but if we fell from where we were and got here, could you not fly back the way we came and go where we came from? I understand we couldn't all go with you unless you could carry us, but... Other than the swarm of biting, flying monsters, there's no reason why I couldn't. At some point, it seems that the swarm might either come down and do what it will do or leave. I can't imagine they would just 
maintain their swarm location indefinitely. Perhaps we could lure them away with a piece of bait. You have a donkey, don't you? I did. But Ben remained behind wisely because this clearly is not a place where it would be safe. He would drink the water if I turned my back and there would be that. So it was a wise, wise instinct to remain. Well, that is unfortunate (laughs) because we'll have to use human bait then. Volunteers? Might I offer an alternative? I think this place, we arrived here not necessarily because we fell down a hole, but we arrived here because of different circumstances. I, listening to the story of those people, I do not think that just trying to climb back up the way we fell will will get us out of this place. I think the secret lies perhaps in that city somewhere. Perhaps we will find a door or a gate or a portal. Every door. No door unopened, yes? Uh, I mean, unless there's yes. water on the other side. What? You check it for heat, you listen very carefully, look for traps, that sort of thing, and then perhaps we opened it, yes. You're being very literal, uh, but yes, 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 yes. I have quite banged my head and arm and leg and whatnot on the way down. As did, as did we all, to a degree. As I said, perhaps we should rest recuperate our strength, begin yes. Yes. with as much focus as we possibly can for the first day that we begin to explore this place is perhaps the day when we are most focused, most perceptive, and we shall lend new eyes to the situation that these, these poor fools did not have prior to our arrival. Rest we shall. And so you all close your eyes uh, and and dive into an even deeper darkness than the darkness within the city that you found deep within these caves beneath the Hyrcanian Mountains or elsewhere um, in the hopes of finding a way out through a sunken city of Sarkoman. You sleep uninterrupted, uh, you have no idea how long you sleep, but you you wake slowly, fairly well rested, sore, achy, bruised, beaten, scabbed over, uh, but feeling more rested and more human than you have felt in several days after your long forced march and then this horrific tumble through these mountain passages. Uh, as you're waking. You hear uh, the others, Malachi and his friends, working um, in the other room. Uh, It sounds like they've got cutlery out and the like. Perhaps they're setting out a meal. And as he hears you starting to stir, he's like, My friends, are you awake? I would wake and join them. Come, come. we We have food. You... You've slept long. We, uh, you've slept through three sleep cycles. We think, uh, 12 hours, perhaps. 
but you obviously needed it. You look you look better. I'm sorry. Did you say that three sleep cycles was twelve hours? Twelve hours, yes. Yes. We, we we sleep in shifts of four hours, usually no more than that, so we can always have enough humans awake at any one time. As I said, the villagers serve the dwellers in the deep, not us. We are never comfortable with all of us being asleep around them at any one time. That's how the two of us who were taken as sacrifice were taken. We were all sleeping, and when we awoke, two of our friends were being drugged down by these dwellers. So we stay awake. We I'm make sorry. sure that that does not happen. I'm very sorry for your loss. Thank you for the information. These are the, the lessons we've learned. So we watched over you while you slept because you clearly needed it. But here, and you see they've laid out, it looks like some sort of uh, boiled, perhaps seaweed or kelp um, with, it looks like a these pale, very, very pale cave crabs and squids. Um, and then the uh, mushroom ale. The drink. It's like you're, you'll you'll need your strength back. We are preparing to take the skiff out to search another area of the city. If you wish to join us after you've eaten, yes, very much so. And as you're eating, he tells you, he's like, we, normally we take it out and we'll we'll lay anchor, and we'll take soundings trying to find the depth. Um, it's very difficult. The waters are fairly clear in the shallows, and we're able to see these buildings, but it's we've yet to find a way to to dive deep enough to penetrate a building and find air as this as this as Nardi described in his tale. We've penetrated buildings that were filled with water, and we've had people drown trying to get out. We've dove using the anchor chain to pull us down quickly only to have, a diver picked off by a dweller or a shark or something else. We've been looking for this chimney that he described that was the opening of it laid close to the surface. And then he simply swam down it into this air pocket, but we've not been able to find anything like it. So we go out to a new area. We put out our light globes. We take depth checks and we search for a way into this city so we can get out of here. But if you have a better way, a different way, any way to help us find a way out of here, well, we are literally at our wit's end. You are fortunate. I am an excellent swimmer. Well, that, that is wonderful. But you, you do need to take care and make sure that you can, wherever you go, that you have enough breath in your lungs to, to make the return. We would not have another person drowned out of heroics. Did any in your crew fight these creatures, the dwellers? We have not fought them. We're afraid the villagers would fall upon us. And when they come, they come in numbers that we could not resist. Even when we were 18, we were not fighters. We were explorers and scholars and cartographers and engineers I mean, we had a couple of fighters with us, but they died up in the caverns uh, before we were pushed over. 
it's not an excuse. It just is a fact. It's just when they come, they're seven feet tall and they have these horrid barbed harpoons and these jagged coral blades. Uh, I, I will not. The first eager. time I saw one, I pissed my tunic in fear. It's just that I'm eager to test my skills against one. It seems if I take one down, maybe these villagers will see me as their superior. Maybe. Perhaps. If they come back while we are still here, then I would pray that you would fight them. Or if Nardi's tale is to be believed, we think at least that they actually live within the city. And this is, this is where they come from, from within the halls of Sarkoman itself. So if we actually ever find a way in, you may find them there. If it's not a word that I care to use, when, when we find a way. Well, your confidence is heartening. It is the only way I know. But I am certain my Lord Sobek is quite powerful. He, he is also quite modest. He said he's a very strong swimmer, but he has neglected to inform you of some of his other talents that could, well, make traversing the water somewhat more simple. But this, we will see if it's necessary. Well, then, if you're ready, take up the light globes. We'll, we need to go to the light giver first to, to refresh our globes and get additional ones for the boat. I, you do not have to go to the light giver if you do not wish. Um, we can handle getting the lights if you want. You can stay here. Why would right. we hesitate? Quite curious, in fact. Uh, yes, I, I, if you're going to stay here, you should know, I suppose. Yeah, come, come with me. And he takes you out and up a winding stair um, into what looks like a cave that's been hacked out of the wall of of this cavern, and deeper down into it, uh, and it's a dank, moist cave, and it's. Black, except for where your light globes go uh, penetrate the dark. And it smells of brine and rotting fish and pus and death. And as you go towards the back, you see three of these villagers coming out, holding buck, you know, these, these baskets of these light globes. And as you penetrate deeper in, you see what looks like what once must have been one of these villagers it appears to be plastered against the wall attached with some sort of resin um its mouth open and lolling uh gills just flaring almost as if attempting to breathe and its body is bloated out in rolls and layers of this almost translucent flesh and at the base where its belly button would be, there's a gaping, jagged orifice. And with each groan, these leeches, these glowing leeches are spit out into basically a basin that they cannot crawl out of. They're about four inches long, and they're the glowing things from within the, within the globes. And this thing wails and screeches as the sounds of this 
orifice squeezing and pushing this infestation out of its body. And Malachi turns to you and he says, you see, when, when one of the villagers gets too old to fish, too old to serve the dwellers in the deep, they're brought back here to serve in another way. They're fed a parasite that grows within their bodies that tears open their stomachs and forces these larval worms out that glow. If they were allowed, they would grow out of this phase and become horrid lamprey-like things. But at this size, they're harmless. And we put them in these resin balls and they serve us as light. And when this creature's body, when this villager's body finally gives out from the horrors that it's being ravished by it, the next oldest villager will take its place. That is, is their it possible way. to learn this magic? I, I don't think it's magic. I think it's a parasite. That, according to our alchemist, it's literally a parasite. Normally, this parasite would burrow its own way into flesh. Um, we've never found a host from it that villagers keep this secret. But whatever it is, they feed it or ingest it or push it into their eldest villager and they use their own spittle and feces to plaster them against the wall until the infestation takes over and this happens. You said the villagers can be quite amenable to requests. Do you think we could ask for samples? Malachi looks at you, he cocks his head and he looks over at Zamir it's like, I don't think that is a good idea. How else is he supposed to learn to perhaps find an alternative route towards producing the light? Or what if we are deep into the city and do not want to return here and we need light? It's very curious, uh, man. Knowledge does not always come easy. I will not stop him. I, I apologize. I was just... Uh, I suppose, taken aback by the suggestion that a civilized person would do this to another person. But by all means, oh, I never ask claim whatever to be person. civilized. <laughs> he uh, just, I, he has I'm quite, beginning to see that. He has, he has a, a very um, dark sense of humor. It is uh, something that you will become accustomed to, I can, I can assure you. Wow. Well. I suppose we all must accept one another for who we are if we're to get out of here. Feel free to when, ask the villagers anything when, when we get out of we here. Get out of here. You may ask the villagers anything you wish. I will do not stand in your way. Speak our language. No, they do not. But I'm sure you can learn it if you have time. I'll happily teach it to you. I see. What do they speak? It is a language that I have never understood. It took me three months, and I am a linguist by trade. I thought I knew all the languages in the land, but I sat with these people for three months every day. And we did simple identification and attempted 
and I, I managed to piece together enough of their language to be understood. That is the best I can do. We will not be here that long, I'm afraid. Perhaps uh, when we reach the surface. Perhaps, indeed. Uh, though uh, none of these villagers will leave. Uh, but perhaps you can convince one to go. However, if you would like, we'll be making our way out onto the ship here in a moment and taking off. Uh, you are all welcome to crew with us, help us make the maps, take the soundings, try to find a way into the city. Have have you ever brought the villagers as a guide into the city? If you can communicate, have they been willing to navigate? They 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 are. They typically crew the ship. You you saw them when we came out to save you. I see. They I will see. not go into the water though. The I water see. is holy to them. They're only taken into the water by the dwellers. I see. Okay. Well, are we ready to board the ship? Venture inward. So Malachi takes you out to the ship. You see some of these villagers crewing it. You see the other four members of his party as you come up onto the boat, take positions. You see all of their cartography equipment. You see lines for taking soundings and the like. And the ship pushes off into the dead, dank, freezing darkness that is this cavern in the hopes of finding away into the sunken city of Sarkomad. The only light guiding you is the light of horrid leeches in resin balls spit from the bowels of a dying creature. And that is where we are going to end tonight. I want to thank everybody for hanging out with us, uh, enjoying our little slice of cavern horror and good times. Um, I hope you had fun. Uh, if you're watching this later on YouTube, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, please give a like and a follow on Twitch or on YouTube for any of this, or join us on the Discord, or take a look at the Lollygaggers website. Uh, we have fun shenanigans every, well, most every day that Jeff is going to tell you a little bit about here in a minute when I say this. Jeff, take it away. Yeah, all right. So uh, coming up, we got some some games on the schedule. Tomorrow's the first one. We'll be playing uh, some One Ring. You see most of us here in that game. We're nearing the end uh, of our very lengthy uh, Waking Vangmar campaign. Uh, I imagine we're in single digits, I think, probably, for the amount of episodes we have left. So uh, come watch uh, what happens uh, when they return to a, to, to a dungeon, sort of, that they've, they've entered into before. Uh, Monday, honestly, I, uh, I have no idea what we're doing on Monday. Uh, we, uh, we are playing <laughs> a game. It will be a role-playing game. Uh, it will probably Sunday. be very fun. Uh, the specifics of which I don't know. We're not really, we're just going to kind of do some one shots and such for the next couple of weeks. Sometime second half of September, I think we'll probably start locking in some longer games, but for now, just doing some fun stuff. Uh, Steven, what are we doing on Tuesday? Tuesday, we're playing Forbidden Lands, and it will likely be the series finale. Um, there's a chance that it'll spill over another episode, but I think we're going to be ending it next session. So tune in for that and see how many of the pack die. 
I mean, would, sorry, survive. Spoiler. <laughs> no. Spoiler. All right, I mean, we're going to hope for zero. But Gunk, as we all know, has learned how to command and his power over life and death. So definitely not Gunk, right? And then anyone who does die, no, he's no, just going to raise them as friends with much higher strength ratings. Uh, the bacho, a bacho zombie would be pretty damn cool. Dude, if I if I got the roll I got that one time and I could just bump your strength by seven. Well, I don't think you're supposed to roll that many dice in Forbidden Lands. That's insane. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, then next Thursday, we're going to be doing some die, the role-playing game. You can see uh, Melissa, Aaron, and myself in that. Uh, also coming to a very important crossroads. I don't think we're not ending, but like we're coming to a very important moment. Uh, if you were watching last night or if you watched the, uh, the VOD today. Uh, Billy popped back up into their lives. Uh, and so we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then next Friday, well, because we are alternating with Conan, we got some Delta Green as we will get back to that. We have started a, uh, a new scenario. We are in New York this time. Uh, we saw some familiar faces. We saw some uh, uh, some new faces. And uh, we'll see how it kind of breaks down. Uh, but that's where we're at. Uh, Edo, uh, we, uh, man, I had to put... Uh, I had to put Horror on the Orient Express on hiatus. We were just, the schedules got so messed up for a while that it just, yeah, we lost a lot of momentum. So we put it on the back burner for now. We're probably going to switch over to something a little bit more manageable. And then when, if and when schedules align where we can play that consistently and we know we're going to be able, to be able to play that consistently for like 10 straight months or something like that, we'll probably put it back on the schedule. But right now it's just too many, too many, uh, too many missed uh, sessions and a lot of uh, a lot of lost momentum, unfortunately. So we are they are still in the dreamlands. That's where we ended up in the dreamlands. So yep. pretty yep, fun. Yep. Uh, okay. So with that in mind, uh, why don't we go ahead and raid our good friends over at the Defenders of Cobalt, who are playing a game that we played last Monday, a couple days ago, in one of our one shots uh, called The Witch is Dead. Super fun one shot. Rowan, Rook, and Deckard. Uh, I don't know exactly what the story is going on over there, but it's a really fun little one pager. You can tell I'm not quite ready to do the raid because I'm still talking. And <laughs> there it goes. Uh, thanks to everyone out tonight. Aaron, thank you for running this. Uh, thank you My to those of you who threw out some bits for us and stuff. Oh, we're leaving, but we're raiding Chuck. So just hang tight and uh, go watch the deal. Okay. So see y'all. Good night. Bye. Bye.